BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron, and we are back for another Friday mini episode of Here for the Right Reasons. As you guys know, things are constantly changing in Bachelor Nation. We have a lot going on, as usual, including Matt James' season still airing. I feel like so much is happening in the news that it doesn't even feel real that the show is airing right now, but it's still going on. Um, And on Monday, we have the Women Tell All to look forward to. And I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what to expect from the Women Tell All. Um, And also remind you that this was taped on February 4th. So it was taped several weeks ago on a Thursday. And Chris Harrison was the host of the Women Tell All, as you would expect, because this was before everything sort of blew up with the Rachel Lindsay, Rachel Kirkinell, Matt James situation. So again, taped on February 4th, um, and 15 of the women will be there, including Katie, Serena P, Serena S, Chelsea, Ryan, Kit, Kayla, Janessa, Victoria in a crown of course, she's literally wearing a tiara in the pictures. And Piper, those are the girls who stood out to me when I was looking at the photos that ABC released earlier. Um, and Abigail and Brittany, who you guys are wearing the same black dress. Um, it's like a coat dress, probably from Revolve. And I think it's kind of ironic that two women are wearing the same dress, women tall, since two women wore the same dress on night one. This is ABC's official description for Monday's episode. 15 women return to relive the romance and rehash the rivalries from their journeys to find love. Some may seek forgiveness while others take a stand, but everyone will have the opportunity to speak their piece, including The Bachelor himself, Matt James. Among other reunions, Serena P. and Matt will face each other for the first time since her emotional hometown exit. This pre-tape special takes all the emotion and sprinkles in hilarious bloopers as well as an exclusive sneak peek at the remainder of the season. So I think it's going to be a little strange, um, just like it has been to watch all of these episodes, knowing everything we know now. But I also think there was so much that happened during the season with these women and the bullying accusations and Victoria and the Mean Girls and the JV versus Varsity that it actually will probably be very interesting to see them all sit down. Um, We know that Bachelor contestants usually become really good friends um, and half the time they get along better with each other than they ever care about the lead. This season was definitely an exception to that. It felt like, but they've also all come together seemingly in recent weeks. So I'm interested to see if any of that happened at the Women Hall, if they were, you know, if they actually got through to each other or if they apologized. Victoria's, you know, been promoting the episode. She's back on Instagram after briefly deleting it. So 
that should be a journey. Um, something else to look out for on the women tell all is anyone kind of getting that bachelor bachelorette edit. Um, in recent seasons, not quite as much, but this the women tell all used to be historically a really good way to find out who the bachelorette was going to be or who the new bachelor was going to be, depending on how the edit was going and who was getting one on one time with Chris Harrison. Reality Steve initially had that report that Katie was named the bachelorette at the women's hall taping. That was not proven, proven to be not true. That is not going to happen um, this week. There are some reports saying that they were in talks with Katie and they pulled the plug on that and stopped that plan with everything that's going on. We won't know probably for a while how far Katie actually got into the process. I think it's easy also to always say, you know, in talks to be the lead and talks to be the next bachelor and talks to be the next bachelorette when that really means maybe they had one meeting. Um, Katie finished in like 10th place. I think she would be a great choice. Um, I've said before she's outspoken, but I also think she's kind of like a lot of the other women we've had on the show. She reminds me a lot of Caitlin Bristow and Annie Dorfman. While I love those women, I think it would be interesting to see something different. Um, I'm still on the Abigail train. Um, she'll be up women till all, so we'll see how much screen time they end up giving her in the edit. Um, I also think a lot of people are interested in Michelle if she doesn't win the season. We talked about that with Kate Casey a little bit this week. Brie, I saw some comments on her Instagram of people saying it. I don't know, but... What we do know, according to Reality Steve, is that they are moving forward with filming The Bachelorette as planned. It was delayed a little bit, um, but it's still going to start filming in March, second half of March. Usually it's more beginning March. This is going to be second half of March. The season finale is also airing, I think, a little later than normal. It's usually like the first, second week in March. This is the third, um, just because the way the year the, the calendar is. But The Bachelorette is reportedly unsurprisingly moving forward. Um, I know there was talks or speculation that they were going to postpone the bachelorette because of everything going on with Chris Harrison. Um, that is, does not seem to be the case. They have not named a lead officially yet. I think they're still working all that out. And they're also still working out Chris Harrison's role. There were a few reports that came out this week from Huffington post and people magazine saying that things behind the scenes are still in the works. Things are being discussed, changed. I don't think they've made any major decisions yet. Um, however, Reality Steve reports that the season will be filmed in New Mexico. No host or bachelorette has been decided yet. Not 100% confirmed, but he's hearing the location is the Hyatt Regency Resort and Spa about 20 minutes outside of Albuquerque. I am here for that. I would love a big resort. I think um, New Mexico in the summer, well, I guess not totally the summer, March. No, that's probably a great time, actually. Um, it'll be hot, but it won't be Palm Springs in August hot. And it looks like a huge resort with a lot more opportunity. And I think they've learned the hard way from La Quinta. The Nemecolon was definitely an upgrade. And now New Mexico could be really cool. Um, as for who the Bachelorette's going to be, we still don't know. If Chris Harrison's going to be there, we still don't know. Speaking of Chris Harrison, he has stayed mom on Instagram, has not been doing much. There was something on a um, Bachelor fan account. I think it was Bachelor Nation Scoop. I love them. Um, posted that he was doing cameos again on that app where you like record videos. But then I saw that after that kind of got picked up on the Bachelor fan accounts that he stopped again and disabled his account. So not totally sure if those videos when they were recorded, maybe they were recorded a while ago and they just got uploaded to Cameo. I don't really know how Cameo works, um, but that's interesting. Also on a personal note, just throwing out that Lauren Zima, his girlfriend who works for Entertainment Tonight, missed another week of Roses and Rosé, her YouTube show with Entertainment Tonight. I have no idea what's going on there. We know she was in the Midwest with him in Texas. Obviously, there's been a lot going on in Texas. 
but bizarre um, that she also has stopped posting. She hasn't Instagram. She hasn't done anything. So they've been keeping quiet. I am just curious because I know a lot of Bachelor fans love her show before she was dating Chris and after she was dating Chris. Um, so I wonder what's going to happen there. The only other thing on the Chris Harrison front that I thought was really interesting was Ivan, um, who was one of Tasha's finalists, went on Daily Pop this week. And he was asked about this Chris Harrison situation. And he said, quote, going forward, I honestly don't know how this will all shake out. But for myself, for example, if they have future shows and if they were to ask me to be on Bachelor in Paradise or something like that, I'm not sure a lot of the other contestants feel this way as well. But I wouldn't feel comfortable if Chris was there, to be quite frank. I'm not saying he can't make a recovery, can't learn from all of this, but you know, it would just be really soon. I think he needs to take some time to look into himself and really have a lot of tough conversations and understand why he believes the things he believes at this point in life. That's a pretty telling quote. Um, I feel like that is something huge that the show is going to have to take into consideration because no matter where you stand on this Chris Harrison controversy, um, you know, the show, the world keeps moving and they need to have contestants on the show and they don't want to make headlines for, you know, being insensitive or having racist problems or accusations every year on the show. Um, and how are they going to have these spinoffs if there are people of color who don't want to be on the show because of Chris Harrison? And then how are they going to fix the diversity problem if people of color don't want to be on Chris Harris with, with Chris Harrison and he's still on the show? So it's kind of a cycle if you can see that. Um, I, the more I think about it, the more I feel like they're just not going to have an official host and they're going to have these rotating bachelor bachelorettes or past contestants or people hosting dates. Remember like a couple of years ago, they had like Mila Kunis, National Kutcher come in and host a date or that Amy Schumer. I mean, I know Corona can make that complicated, but I really feel like the show doesn't need a host necessarily. And I think that maybe even for one season, they would do something like that. But then it's like, I see both ways because if you bring Chris Harrison back, what Ivan said is true. It doesn't really make sense. It's very quick turnaround. But if you don't and you bring him back later, all the stuff that happened in the interim, it might prove we don't really need him. I don't know. Or it'll prove we do need him. I have no idea. Um, I think it'll be really interesting. But he has stayed quiet since his second statement. He has not addressed Matt James' statement. Um, he got some support from Bachelor Nation, but Matt James has also gone pretty quiet since then. So I don't know if he will be posting again. So while Chris Harrison has been keeping a low profile in the last couple of weeks, we had a lot of movement from the Kirkinell family. You know, I change how I say it every time I speak about these people, but I believe it's Kirkinell family. Um, and I want to talk about this video Rachel put out on Thursday night. It's a seven minute video on her Instagram that I encourage everyone to go watch the same way I thought people should watch the Chris Harrison extra interview for themselves. I think you should watch this for your, for yourself. But um, some of the things she said were, quote, over the last few weeks since I put out my statement, I've gotten a lot of messages. I've got a lot of people asking me, well, what have you done to change since then? And also a lot of people message me saying they are not understanding why people are so upset, but they want to. So they've asked for resources, which I think is great. I've also had people messaging me saying, you've done nothing wrong. Don't listen to these people. And I think the first step in all of this is white people stepping up and taking accountability. Things will never change if we don't all work together and working towards this racial progress and the unity that we want. Thought that was great. I also um, think she pointed out that she's been, quote, hesitant to share anti-racism resources on her platform until this point because she doesn't want people to think that it's performative or something she doesn't truly stand by. Now that's interesting because earlier this week, she put up a picture of her drinking matcha and you could see in the background, there was a book 
um, that hinted something about anti-racism or resources, or I'm not totally sure what the book was, but it kind of caused a little bit of a stir. Um, and people were suggesting, you know, she was trying to find a way to start posting on Instagram again without totally moving on. But the, the focus of the picture was the matcha, but was that strategically placed in the background? I don't know. Um, I don't think we can judge every action taken. I don't think that's fair, but interesting that she addressed that. And I think good that she addressed that. Um, and I really liked what she said about that, which was, quote, I've come to realize that sitting aside and hiding in the corner and avoiding being called performative, that doesn't help anyone or anything. Even if that is what people think, we must speak on these subjects of injustice and racism, you know, because that's not what really matters. So I thought that was a great point to make because, in this time where people are, you know, learning so much and apologizing for past mistakes and being called out, the the movement, the the decision of what to do post, you know, black and white statement on your Instagram is interesting because people do accuse you of just doing it, you know, for the wrong reasons. The irony of for the right reasons, wrong reasons. And the Bachelor is not lost on me here, but this happens all the time. So I think that it was great that she straight out said, "I totally know that people are going to think this, but I can't not do that anymore." Um, she also said, if you are in my comments or defending me, telling people that I did nothing wrong, there's nothing to be heard about, there's nothing to be angry about or offended, please stop. That's not our place to tell people what they can and can't be offended about. That's wrong and that's part of the problem. She ended this video with a very cryptic, you'll be hearing more from me, this is not the last of me, which I think kind of hinted at this after the final rose situation, which we know I'm sure they'll get in depth about. I'm sure she's very nervous and anxious going into that. So I think it was great she put this out. I had a lot of people, um, I put this on my Instagram story and I think a lot of people messaged me and some people were like, oh, this is great. And other people thought it came off a little inauthentic and that she was reading off a piece of paper, which I'm sure she was, I'm sure she was nervous. But um, I thought a few things about it. One, I think this goes to show how much better talking things are than the statement on Instagram. Seeing her face, seeing emotions, which she didn't have too many emotions to be honest, but just seeing it, like associating her with being a real person and going through it is much more effective, I think, than just reading a black and white statement on Instagram that anyone could have written, anyone could have posted, could have gone through however many people versus a video feels sort of real. Even if she's reading off paper, I mean, I probably would read off a piece of paper if there were notes I was trying to hit too. Um, but the one thing I will say, I think she said so many great important things and I don't think it's too late. I don't like that narrative, but on that note, I definitely think this would have been 10 times more effective a month ago. Um, all this stuff started happening with her the day the premiere came out, when that TikTok came out. And pictures and likes and stuff followed for a month later. And then the Chris Harrison thing blew it up. And I really think it would have been super powerful if she came out and said something along these lines, even if it wasn't the full video because she wasn't totally aware of everything or ready to address everything. It, it just would have been so much more effective and like she was part of the conversation versus people have made up their mind about her, whether that's good or bad or right or wrong. I mean, people have. And who am I to say that, you know, people have to understand her apology or accept her apology? I, I'm That's not my place by any means. But I think overall, the big message I got from this whole thing was that one, she should have done this a month ago. And two, there is something important to be said for accusing people of performance, um, you know, just doing something to be performative activism. I think that you do have to kind of just fight past that and prove that you are trying to make a difference. She also shared a bunch of resources on her Instagram. I'm sure they're still up by the time you're listening to this. Um, and I think that's great. And I also think that um, if Rachel wants to, you know, move forward in public, which she did note, like I have this platform that I don't know if I deserve to have, 
but she has almost a half a million Instagram followers. She's going to get more, whether she should or shouldn't, I'm sure, as more episodes continue. And if she wants to, you know, have any sort of success in public life, I mean, she could retreat and ignore all of this, or she could try to turn it into something to learn from. And I think that was great. Um, But again, she should have probably done this before this whole Chris Harrison thing blew up, which speaking of Chris Harrison, Rachel's mom, it was a busy day for the, for the Kirkinell family. Her mom, Kim, did an interview with the son and there's a bunch of quotes on there. I also put some of that on my Instagram, including this photo of Rachel's mom holding this childhood photo of Rachel. And I got some feedback on this because some people were saying, I feel bad for them. And, you know, of course, Rachel's mom wants to defend her. And I'm not saying Rachel's mom shouldn't defend her. I was just saying this picture of her clutching to this childhood photo when Rachel is very much alive and well was kind of confusing to me because usually you see pictures on the news of people holding like a childhood photo of like their missing child or of their you know, past child who passed away or something in like a tragic accident, not necessarily like a racism bachelor scandal. So I thought the photo was kind of a wonky choice. And her mom's like kind of smiling, but also crying. It was a lot. You kind of have to see it to believe it. But she gave a lot of quotes. And some of the more interesting ones were when she was asked about Chris Harrison specifically, Rachel's mom said, it was disappointing for many reasons, but it was particularly frustrating because his stance is the exact opposite of how Rachel feels about the situation. So, I mean... Again, I think this was Chris Harrison taking this upon himself and saying things he wanted to say and using Rachel as an example of things he wanted to get off his chest about cancel culture. And it was the wrong example, in my opinion. And I think it made things worse for Rachel. It made things worse for The Bachelor. It obviously made things worse for Chris Harrison. made things worse for Matt, who is you know, having to navigate all of this from people who we thought was his friends, thought maybe we're going to be his wife one day. We don't know. Crazy. Um She also spoke about that, Kim, Rachel's mom. She said, quote, if he chooses Rachel and stands by her, then you know Matt does truly love her. If he chooses Rachel and then leaves her, then it was not meant to be and there was someone else out there for her. Rachel has felt hopeless and frustrated not being able to address the issue and speak her side. Which is like, ooh, like, that's kind of, those are, those are some good quotes. Um, she also said, although this has been hard for her, she can take some solace in knowing Chris's words about her being used by the franchise to take a step in the right direction. And she stands by and supports people of color within the franchise. She's a non-judgmental, kind, caring, compassionate, non-confrontational and friendly to everyone she comes across. Totally get why Rachel's mom wanted to defend her. This, I also kind of felt like could have been done on Instagram in a video versus a full-on interview. I wonder if she was paid for this. I don't know anything about that. Um, There was like a whole photo shoot attached. So part of me thinks she was. Um, I get the frustration of her parents, um, especially now that they're being probably more dragged into it since the hometown date aired and we saw her parents and her family. Um, It's going to be really interesting. This live after the final rose, not live actually, we don't know, but this after the final rose, I wonder if her family's going to be involved. I want to know so badly where she stands with Matt. Um, a lot of people were saying that Matt's statement last week or before Monday's episode felt like almost a breakup statement. Like he picked Rachel and they've been doing stuff behind the scenes and, you know, working it out. And he, that was his way of kind of hinting that it's over um, publicly or his way of getting ahead of it because he didn't want to say anything while they were still together trying to make it work. And now they're not, I don't know you guys, but I cannot wait to find out. You can watch Rachel's whole video on her Instagram and you can read Rachel's mom's full interview on the sun. There's also some really interesting data on Bachelor Bachelor data on Instagram about the following of the season. And people are pointing to that and how it's kind of crazy that a lot of contestants of color don't have nearly as many followers as the white contestants. I think part of that is because when the spoilers come out 
and people knew Rachel, for example, was going to make it far, you follow her for that reason. The same way the spoiler came out that Abigail got the first impression row, so people followed her right away. Um, but I also think it says a lot about the audience of the show, um, and that's something that they're going to have to work on if they want to and if they want to keep certain viewers um, and people engaged in the franchise. Um, quick love lives updates. Hannah Brown is still hanging. Hannah Brown's brother, Patrick, is still hanging out with Jed's ex, Haley. They posted a bunch of cutesy photos. I don't know what the hell's going on. I guess they're dating or they just want us to think they're dating. I feel like if they keep hanging out, we will know that this is a real thing because I don't think he lives in Nashville and I think he was visiting her. So we'll see if he is back in Nashville. That would be such a strange coupling. But um, I'm weirdly obsessed with finding out how Hannah and Jed or how other people feel about this. So if you have thoughts, let me know if you see her post anything else or hear about this, let me know. And I think after we recorded last Friday, Us Weekly exclusively confirmed that Claire and Dale are indeed back on. Obviously, we saw them all over Florida for the last week. Then they started kissing on the beach, um, seemingly confirming everything. And a source told Us Weekly, and I quote, Dale has been pretty secretive with his friends when asking if they're back together, but it's pretty obvious to everyone. They're trying to figure things out and enjoying spending time together. So time will tell if Claire and Dale can stand the test of time. Tasha, meanwhile, just did an interview with Marie Claire saying that her and Zach have no plans to walk down the aisle anytime soon. They're not on the rocks. Things are going great. She kept her house in L.A. just because she's been through a divorce and she knows what that's like to have to move out. And she's being cautious because it's not her first rodeo. But 99% of the time, their relationship is great. They're working through it. They're in that phase of how bizarre is it that we met on this reality show? We got engaged. The whirlwind is kind of coming to an end. Let's adjust, figure out how our lives work together. We know they're in New York. Um, I'm rooting for them. I think it's really cool that she got a Marie Claire profile. We don't see a lot of bachelorettes getting uh, media coverage like that. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I think she's great. And I still think there's going to be something to her hosting something in the future. Reality Steve also said that after the final rose is going to be pre-recorded. Um, potentially even this weekend. So if that happens, I'm sure we will see pictures or something will come out of that and maybe we'll find out who is going to end up hosting after the final rose. So that's a quick little breakdown of everything going on in Bachelor Nation. You know, I always think it's a slow week and then I start talking and I just can't stop word vomiting about these people. So as always, send me your theories, send me your takes, let me know what you're thinking. Um, I can't wait to watch the women tell all and we will be there breaking it all down next week with a very special guest. And don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a five-star review and listen to Here for the Right Reasons every Tuesday and Friday.